Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Today y Manana. I'm Alex. This is Xavier. We're very excited to have you joining us this morning on a chilly morning here in Charlottesville, Virginia. Beautiful. But the sun is out. There's the fresh air, the nice crisp wind. So it's yeah, a- over, I, I said over the last week or so, right, I've had like three or four conversations with clients, and every single one of them has told me that the, they're, they're beginning to enjoy outdoors again. And just people just love the fact that the the sun doesn't set as early and comes mm-hmm. up a little early, you know, just just having that sun out a little longer in daylight just makes you that energy level just begins to pick up in you, right? Oh, exactly. I think the sun is a major, for me at least, it's a major factor in my it's like super energy level. Like Superman, he just goes out there, goes like this, and all of a sudden, boom! I'll take strong that. again. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> we all would. So uh, it, it, it's uh, it, for me, yes, it's important. It just gives you so much. Vibrancy. Yeah, when it you, does. When yeah. you open your eyes in the morning yeah. and there's some light yeah. coming through as opposed to uh, to darkness. So, you know, and then I think it, you know, encourages people to go out, do more, check out some fun. Always, things. yeah. I mean, it's 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 always much more fun, right? When it's one a little warmer in daylight, or even if you get home, it's like, oh, I got to go out. No big deal. You get home, you change, you do what you have to do, and you go out. In the winter, you get home, it's already dark, it's already cold. It's like, I think I'd rather just cut up exactly. on the sofa, read a book, or you know, watch a program, whatever it may be. Exactly. Yeah, so it's, and you know, I mean, Charlottesville is a place where there's always something going on. So there's always a lot to go out and do and see. Exactly, yeah. So that's exactly. Yeah, you know, if, that's if the there goal. wasn't, we wouldn't have a show. <laughs> <laughs> if, we were, if there weren't a lot of things to do, we would have run that's out of point. Yeah, guests right. about two years ago or something like that. <laughs> Uh, so uh, we're excited to be here, uh, thrilled, uh, of course, to be on the Isle of Civil Network set with Judah behind the camera. A couple thanks, of course, to our presenter, Emergent Financial Services, to our great partners, Matias Young Realty, Credit, Serious Insurance, Forward Adelante. We appreciate them all uh, tuning in and, and joining us. We've got some great guests that are going to be uh, coming in this morning. We're going to be joined shortly by David McCormick from the Early Music Access Project, and later in the show by Emily Hartka, co-founder and director at Charlottesville Ballet. So, so well, I just want to say one other thing before we get going, right? So my beautiful wife, notice I said, you know, the words. I, I used the appropriate words. I, I'm, I'm getting brownie points here. My beautiful wife watches lately a lot of YouTube on things that she enjoys, right? Whether it be mm-hmm. cooking or sewing or whatever it may be, right? And it's funny because no matter what she watches, they're always saying, because I know I'm supposed to say, they're always saying, and if you like this show, and they do this, they go, you know, hit the like and share button. Of course, mm-hmm. on the TV and the YouTube, there's no like and share button. I guess only on the computer. So I'm watching. I said, what are we supposed to press? There's nothing to press here, right? So, but anyway, for this show, please like, share, and subscribe. Yep, exactly. Well, if you're on, yeah, if you're on Facebook, the like button is exactly yeah, right there. Yeah. And it's actually, it's more important than I think people realize because Facebook is not a super intuitive. Thing. In other words, if, some, if you don't hit like, I can't know that you're watching. watching. Like, it doesn't oh. tell me. I can see like that there's a bunch of eyeballs watching. But if you never click <laughs> like, when I say that, I mean it literally. There's like little eyeballs okay. on Facebook and it tells me you got like this many people watching. But if you don't click like, I can't know it's you so I can't give you the, the shout out. You know, because I've had people come up to us at events and say, oh yeah, I watch your show every week. And, and I sit down and I'm like, I, I don't tell this to them, right? But I'm thinking, I feel bad because I have no idea who you are because you never clicked like. So I have no <laughs> idea that you've been watching the show prodigiously. And otherwise, I'd give you a shout out. I'd be like, you know, this is our fantastic viewer, so and so. So uh, be sure to do that. 
this way I can I can give when, you a shout out. And, when you and, said eyes, I can think of the Luis Miguel eye, you know. Oh, the <laughs> the, uh, the artistic yeah. the artistic like, eye. <laughs> no, I was thinking the old uh, back in the day when the uh, before the dot com bubble that instead of. Because all the all those companies in the dot com double had negative price to earnings ratio because yeah. they didn't make any money. Exactly. So they were like, no, 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 price to eyeball is the new <laughs> ratio. So even though this company makes no money, it's valued eight dollars for every eyeball that watches <laughs> that visits the internet, no their, uh, website, right? That's right. And uh, that didn't work out too well for them. So you should not buy a company based on uh, price to eyeball ratio because that uh, that uh, can go bad quickly. That's right. <laughs> But, uh, oh, double shout out, UVA did win last night. Oh, they did? So, Thank goodness, okay. Nicholas and I, we managed to pull the magic out again last week. Okay. We, we so are you, are, you, are you putting pressure on me or something? You know, mean that I'm on the show and the, no, no, are they playing this week or something? Every time we gripe on the show that UVA isn't oh, playing okay. well, they come out and then they win again. So we just They played Boston College last night, they right? They played Boston College last night and they did manage to, uh, to, win. to pull out the win. Okay. You know, but I'm still, we're still going to gripe that they can play better. This way they'll win again at Duke. <laughs> they could play we, that. We need that. Oh, that's right. Ooh, Duke. Okay. We need that. Would be nice. That would make that would make our season. So just a little shout out there. Okay. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I'm excited. Whenever I'm very we've got excited. Music, music, and ballet, song, dance. Ballet, yeah, I, some of my I, favorite yeah, things. Yeah. It I just, love. It makes you feel, talk about some makes you feel good. Music and dancing makes you feel just as good. Exactly. And we have two great organizations that are going to be joining us on today's show with upcoming events. So. You can at as which you, is why they're here, I'm sure. Yeah, well, there as you, you learn about them, you it's not like you learn about them like, oh man, I don't, I, I have to wait a year to go see the next it's season. No, there is some upcoming stuff, so we're excited to welcome first to the show this morning David McCormick from the Early Music Access Project. David, thanks so much for coming back on. It's great to be here again. Always, always, always love having you on. So, for those new to the program, because I think it's been a little bit, and we've definitely got some some new viewers. Um, Tell us a little about what, remind us, what is Early Music Access Project? When people hear that early music, what should they be thinking of? Yeah, you know, a lot of people think that I work with preschoolers. <laughs> we, we occasionally do concerts for kids, but actually what early music is, is usually, it is music of like the medieval Renaissance or Baroque period, and we are playing on reproductions or original instruments of that time to really recreate that sound world. And the project, Early Music Access Project, is about bringing that music to as many people locally as possible and doing it in interesting ways. We often do collaborations or sort of experimental things, um, things that you might not get to hear or see other places around town. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think a great example of this, right, because, okay, you know, you've got... I think people think... Sometimes I think people can tend to lump all classical music together. So when... They're, you know, when you tell them, no, there's a difference between like medieval and Baroque and like Beethoven and Tchaikovsky and later, they're like, ah, oh, man, I, I don't know what that could possibly be. But I think a great example is, is what was recently one of your recent performances, which was Cupid and Death, and it's a mask, M-A-Q-U-E. Tell us a little bit about that and how, what it is and how, and how it happens. Because I think that will kind of give people an idea that this is not the same as going and watching a symphony. Yeah. This was really fun. We, so an English um, mask is basically opera, but not quite. <laughs> so it's right before sort of opera had its heyday. 
Um, and there's a lot of spoken dialogue, which we, you don't find in opera. Mm -hmm. okay. And uh, what was really cool about this is that we got to do it at the Blackfriars Theater in Stanton, um, which is just the perfect venue for an English mask. It's yes. the right time period. It's the right venue. Um, and we, we really did it up with full costumes and... Um, Dancers and actors and singing and a, um, a small Baroque orchestra and all of it. Uh, it was really fun and it sort of brought. It's it's a great example of what we do because it brought a bunch of the of different elements together in a, in collaboration, um, including the um, the folks at Mary Baldwin University who are studying Shakespeare and performance who were extremely excited about the librettist for this English mask, James Shirley. There were two folks that were like, oh, I know the guy who's working on the complete works of James Shirley. And I was like, wow, that is even nerdy for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, so basically, it's, it's almost like going to see... Because I think people, like, you think of opera and you think, okay, they sing through the whole dramatic story. But this is almost, was almost like going to see a play with music... And songs kind of interwoven throughout it, in a sense. Yeah, it's like if Shakespeare wrote musicals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, Which yes, like the musicals of today, right? Or, or not really today, but of the you know, like the the one that uh, the 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 opera had last oh, year. Oh, so Guys and had Dolls, last year had the uh, Dies and Dolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah mean, musicals so it's that the, kind of thing. The, where there's, 50s, there's talking, 60s. and you know, and, and, and then comes music, but only in in the in, times, the early times, <laughs> yeah, in a, in a different style, yeah. and I just I love the I, the notion also I think of using the period uh, the period instruments because that's that's a yeah. I think I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised there there's even instruments that still exist. I mean, are they are they are they renovated? I mean, they do they like restore them or you know uh, it do takes, they make them from yeah. new from scratch? It takes a lot of love and care to get an instrument from that period into playing shape. Mm -hmm. Um, if, but if you think about it, like the, the instruments of Stradivarius right. are still being played today. Right. Um, a lot of those have been modernized. So if you're hearing like Joshua Bell play a Stradivarius, his has been modernized. The neck has been moved and um, different strings have been put on it and all of that. Okay. Um, but there are some that are in original condition and those are really fun to play. Um, the Smithsonian has a few and I know some of the folks over at the Smithsonian and have gotten to play some of them. And it's... It's wild. You mm -hmm. sort of you feel the energy of like hundreds of years of really good violinists like yeah. mm -hmm. coursing through the veins of that instrument. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And probably and I don't know how it is with violins and so forth, but I, I remember once hearing a uh, recording. It was um, uh, an album and of a pianist playing Beethoven's piano sonatas, it was, he had all of them, on a period instrument. And what you realize, it, it does not sound the same. It is a very... Now, the, the notes are the same, but the feel of it and the, just the, the way the piano worked at the time right. is yeah. a very different feel. There's, there's only so much you can do in volume, right? Yeah. You can't just... You, you can't press as hard on an old piano as you can on a new one. And it has a very... Just it, it, It's not a harpsichord, if you know the ding, ding, ding sound of a harpsichord. It's not a harpsichord, but it's somewhere between a modern piano and a harpsichord. You realize, and you just get this thrill where you're like, when Beethoven wrote this, 
that's how it sounded right. in his right. ears. It did not sound like you go hear it in a concert hall today. Yeah. It sounded like that. And is it similar when you have the? Is there a slight difference so that you get the sensation of okay, that's that's what it would have sounded like at that era, as opposed to the modern, changed, you know, updated version? Yeah, and it can be shocking. I mean, we think of mm-hmm. Beethoven as being bombastic and loud. Um, and he was for his day. Mm-hmm. He was maxing out the instruments of the day. I mean that that the forte piano of Beethoven's era. I'm sure that he broke more than one. <laughs> I would imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, probably. I mean, That's the way a- they were doing the violins probably popped some some strings every once in a while. Yeah. Well, and it's this change um, as concert halls got bigger. Um, violinists and, and pianists wanted to reach the back of the hall, mm-hmm. and so they were looking for innovations that would make the sound louder. And that's how those, the instruments changed over time. Absolutely. That, that's, a, that's a good point, but I was, I was thinking of what you just said, right? I mean, you, I can imagine because m- my suspicion is that, you know, the great composers hear what they want to write. It's not like they write and they say, let me see what it sounds, and that's not good, right? They hear what they want. So they're hearing it based on what is available at the time, right? And so you're right. I mean, so uh, it's, it's interesting to be curious to, like, how did those, you know, piano concertos or violin concertos, you know, how did they sound at that time versus what they sound like today? But, mm-hmm. but David's right. I mean, at that time, probably the halls were, you know, you could fit maybe 100 people. And now it's like, you know, you got, you know, more than hundreds of people in these huge halls. And, and you have to, you know, the guy in the back has to be able to hear it, too. You know? Yeah. But, you know, the first time I, like, I touched a Baroque violin and just heard the sound of the Baroque bow hitting the organic strings, the mm-hmm. gut strings... I was like, oh, it, it actually, it you, it you start to understand immediately what the composers were trying to say. It yes. sometimes doesn't make sense on the modern yeah. instruments. You're like, well, this, this sounds good, but I don't, I'm not really sure why they wrote that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you, you, you immediately get it. And then um, there are all these treatises that composers and theorists were writing about how music should be performed. Mm. Um, and those are really interesting. Sometimes you actually find out, by the way, that someone complains about something that they're really, both things were happening, right? Like, some people were using this much vibrato and some people were using this much vibrato. Mm-hmm. The fact that somebody complained about it means that the other thing was happening. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, sometimes you'll read, like, the composer's, like, in his notes, you'll see his complaints, like, ah, I can't reach this note with this instrument, so I have to use a different one. And so you see, and then it, it, it makes you wonder, well, would he have used today's modern instrument for that note? Yeah. And he just couldn't, or right. would he have still stuck with what he ended up deciding on? So it's just, it's fascinating to think about it and just to go and experience what you bring in early music access project that you can kind of go back in time a little bit and, and listen to both. The interesting part, obviously, this was an older piece. So this was a piece, um, the um, Cupid and Dead was a mask written at that time yeah. for those instruments. But I know upcoming is going to be a new piece written for in the style of that, but with some modern twists. So yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, this is where I start to lose people. They get a little confused. Like, <laughs> wait, you're doing old music and you're doing new music? I even had somebody at the National Endowment for the Arts say to me, you're going to have to really explain that to us. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, okay, maybe I've gone too weird. But <laughs> um, it's actually it's really fun to work with living composers because you can ask them questions. <laughs> um, and so uh, for this project, uh, James Dargan has written us a new Latin mass. 
So it's taking these ancient texts and some of the ancient techniques of setting these texts, but definitely putting a modern twist on it, taking advantage of the qualities of our old instruments, but really um, speaking to today. And uh, James is someone who grew up in the black church tradition um, his father was actually a scholar of black church music. He went around with his father doing like field recordings of um, historic black churches. And so this mass is infused with those sounds and with sort of the theology of the black church. Mm-hmm. How interesting. Wow. So the, that kind of spiritual gospel tradition melded with techniques and forms. Yeah. That- date from medieval yeah. <laughs> medieval times. And we are um, combining this new work with some old works of Bach and Buxtehude oh. um, to kind of tie it all together and to make it make a little more sense what we're doing. Um, and so the, the new and old will sort of speak to each other mm-hmm. in that will, way. Will those works be interspersed within or kind of bookending the, the They're going to be interspersed. Um, it's a It's a technique we sort of developed a couple of years ago. We did a a music, a a concert of music from Monticello, sacred music from Mm -hmm. Monticello, and we took the Pergolesi Stabat Mater that was in Jefferson's collection and interspersed it with spirituals that would have been heard in Charlottesville and at Monticello at that time. Wow. Um, And we... We liked that technique so much of melding new and old or different different styles mm-hmm. that we um, that we kept it for this project. It's the same musicians actually and the same uh, composer. James actually did the arrangements of the spirituals for us two oh, years ago. Okay. Oh, oh, that's interesting. That's amazing yeah. that he was able to come back and now compose a brand new work. Yeah. For for you guys. To, and and to, who found the text? Um, for the for the mass. Um, so that is the traditional Latin mass text. Okay. Although I will say there are a couple of surprises. Oh, <laughs> um, I'll just say that you know the sort of the, the you know the, the shout of glory that you hear yeah, in a right, black right, church. Right. The Gloria has a bit of that in it. Ah, yes. Um, and there's a couple of other moments that are um, that are not exactly what you would expect mm-hmm. from the Latin mass text. <laughs> what is that? I mean that that is an old and greatly appreciated setting for music. I mean, I remember that um, Nicholas actually told me this once, that when the Catholic Church changed from the traditional Latin Mass in the 60s to the new to Novus Order, that they changed the way that the Mass was, right. one of the greatest outcries, there was actually a letter, a petitionary letter for them not to do this, signed by not who you would expect, tons of artists and writers and musicians, but as they said, we have been writing music for this text for hundreds of years, and we want to continue doing it. Please don't change it. Right. Right? And they, they changed it anyway in, in for what you do in the Sunday Mass. Right. But there are still people like Arvo Part was uh, the Oratory Society last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are still composers who will write music who since then have continued to write a setting for the Latin Mass, even though when you go to Mass on Sundays, that is not typically the Mass exactly. that you hear exactly. anymore. Yeah. But it, I mean, it dates, I think it, it dates at least to the 1400s, portions of it probably even earlier. So, but it's always the same with, and there's a couple uh, changes here and there about how you, yeah. how you can bring out certain elements of it. I think every composer puts a little bit of a stamp on it, you mm-hmm. know, beyond just their musical setting, they will, they will find elements of the text or um, add some text in it to make it 
um, relevant to the time that they're in. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. To connect people to it, especially since it is in Latin. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, it has that, uh, you have to get over that little hump and just appreciate the, the music more. What, what are some of the uh, instruments that, what's the arrangement that people can kind of expect? So we have three amazing vocalists, <coughs> excuse me, uh, two violinists, viola, viola da gamba, which is like a cello, but has six strings and frets. Wow. So it's like the, the wow. best of a, a lute and a cello kind of put together. Um, it, it's a gorgeous sound. And then um, we have a violone player, which is like a double bass version of that. So it has the, the frets as well. Wow. Um, and organ. And organ. Uh, yeah. Which yeah. Is, we have an amazing yes. organist. Um, she is newly part of the faculty at University of Michigan. She's coming for this performance, uh, and she'll be playing a beautiful small chamber organ at Christ Episcopal Church, mm. but also the big organ at Christ oh, Episcopal. Oh, there will be both. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. yes. And, <laughs> I mean, for, for people who have never... It, it is a pleasure. That I mean, it, it's, it's, I think, a unique thing that you can do that, that you're hosting this at Christ Episcopal Church. That is, that's where it's being performed, because I think one of the experiences that people very infrequently have is... The, a large organ, because most of the time if you're going to a concert hall and it doesn't have an organ built into it, what you're going to hear is the chamber organ, the smaller right, exactly, one, yeah. which is still a beautiful sound, I mean, especially when it's in the background, it has a great, but you don't quite get the force yeah. of someone pressing on an actual real organ, so the fact that you can do this in a setting with a, re, with a large organ, yeah. I think people will, the people who attend are going to get a real treat it's definitely it's an immersive experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming at you from all angles. It fills the church with music, um, and you know every organ is designed for the church that it's in mm-hmm. to fill that space. Um, one of the coolest experiences I've had is hearing the organ at Duke Chapel, which is an enormous building, um, and that organ has been designed to fill that space. Wow, um, <laughs> and. The organist is almost disconnected from the sounds that are coming out of the pipes. You know, they, they have to kind of like play ahead of what's happening in the room. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Great. Well, that's a, that's a talent of great organists because yeah. you have to be able to. You're you're actually slightly off. Yeah. From yeah. the rest of an orchestra when you play with them. Yeah. So you have Th- to be there's a delay in, ahead yeah, exactly of them the because sound, there's so, yeah. a slight delay in what you can hear versus what you're playing. Yep. Wow. Which is always a fascinating aspect of it. And I believe the, now is the, uh, did I read it right that the composer is also singing? Yes. Yeah, oh, he's, so he's yeah. one of the three vocalists? Yeah, he's um, the baritone soloist for okay. this concert. Wow. He's a really fantastic singer. Um, and I asked him to write for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, re- it's really fun to ha- have composers write for themselves because they know exactly what they can do. Yeah, um, yeah I would think so. It helps, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although the funny part is um, he's been having a lot of back-and-forth conversations with the other two vocalists. And I think in some ways he's challenging them to go beyond slightly what they're mi- they might be comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And he's probably written himself the most comfortable part. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, James. That's the, the advantage of being the composer, right? So yeah. Ultimately, you're, you're kind of in charge of yeah. the, how the piece, how the notes are going to look on the page. So the, so the three vocalists are baritone, and what are the other two? Uh, we have a soprano and a countertenor. Countertenor? That's, yes. a, new, that's a new word yeah. for me. So this sure. is a, a male singer who is singing basically mezzo-soprano parts. Interesting. Yeah. Um, it is... 
it is meant to sort of uh, emulate the castrato sound of the Baroque era. Okay, yes. It's not the same. There's, mm-hmm. There is no substitute for that horrible practice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it created voices that had enormous range and enormous depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is not... The, the, the sort of falsetto range, the, the falsetto male range doesn't have that depth. Mm-hmm. But actually, Patrick Daly is one of the most rich countertenor voices I've ever heard. And he's, he will be here for this concert. Wow. And it's, um, he's, he, is a, he, he has made me believe <laughs> in, uh, in every word he's ever sung. <laughs> that's beautiful that you can do. And I think that's another I think, thing that people don't appreciate when they attend something put on by early music at this project is that sometimes you, it's not only that you will hear older versions, like antique versions of instruments that you're familiar with, you will hear instruments and voices that you just don't hear anymore. In other words, like you, most modern pieces, even if you went to go hear tenors, they went to the opera, you're not going to get a lot of countertenors that yeah. are playing, that are in the opera. Most oh. of the time, I think what used to be the castrati is now a female singer. They'll use a mezzo-soprano yeah. or something in the opera for what used to, would have been a male exactly. part. Yeah. yeah. Right? Because obviously, like, we, don't, we don't do that anymore, <laughs> thankfully. Um, that is changing at places like the Met, though. They are hiring countertenors now. Did you do that? If they do Baroque operas. Oh, that would be, yeah. that'll be, that's fantastic. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. And then you'll also hear instruments like the viola da gamba and, and so forth that almost are never, by the time you get to your most famous classical works, they're not being written for. Yeah. So you don't often hear those instruments. So it's a great way to experience, you know, I've, I've, you know when, I, when I've listened to someone say, wow, I've never heard that sound before in my life because you just, how often do you hear that instrument which no longer is in the modern yeah. repertoire? And, and as we know, listening live is so much different mm-hmm. than listening like through a CD or, or your you know, phone or whatever people listen these days, right? Because I know when we go to the, to the symphonies, it's just, you hear, you hear everything. You just, part, partly maybe because visually you're also looking and you're mm-hmm. hearing how that instrument sounds. But there's nothing like it. So when you, I mean, you were able to do something like this and listen to these old instruments and these voices, I mean, it's, it's, it's got to bring you back, right? Yeah. yeah. And these instruments really are made for spaces like this. Yeah. Um, I, I always use the word organic when I'm describing like mm-hmm. a Baroque violin because it's got the, the sheep gut strings and everything is, is wood or mm-hmm. horsehair or whatever. And there's not a lot of like metal and, and so forth on these instruments. And it really resonates in rooms like at Christ Episcopal where there's um, wood and stone. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, those are the spaces, the kinds of spaces those instruments were designed for. And they're just really happy there and they resonate. There's, you know, there, there was a trade-off here, right? We got louder instruments, but that resonance, that sort of beauty of sound, there is no replacement for that. And yeah. We just have to play in halls that make sense for that, exactly. for those instruments, exactly, exactly. Yeah. exactly. And that's what you're able to do, and and bring. I mean, and it's not a, it's not like it's a tiny church, but you're bringing, you're bringing a sense of intimacy. I think sometimes when you do it in a in a setting that's not a massive concert hall, you feel a little closer to yeah. the music and to the musicians that are playing or singing in this case. Yeah, I personally, 
I, it's an, a non-sustainable model, but I, I always love playing for just like 10 or 20 people in a house, mm. and you can see every person's reaction to every note you play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it can be intimidating, but it's also just the most beautiful thing to just understand immediately the reactions and the mm-hmm. impact that your music's having. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I agree, I agree. David, what else is it? I mean, anything else that people should be aware of that's new or happening or that they should be looking forward to with early music? Um, well, I will just mention it may, be, it may be a few months before this comes to fruition, but um, last year, we, or back in June, we did a concert in the rotunda of music from Monticello, which mm-hmm. is all fiddle music from Monticello, um, from the, the black fiddlers who lived and worked there. And um, we recorded that concert. Virginia Humanities gave us money to turn that into a documentary. So that is coming. I don't know when. It's going to take a while to kind of finish up a few interviews mm-hmm. and then edit it and put it all together and get it distributed. But um, people can look out for that. It's an opportunity for anyone, anywhere, to see what we do. Um, it's, uh, it's a really beautiful project. We got to play in the rotunda with the planetarium lights on the ceiling. Oh, wow. um, the visuals are really stunning, and, uh, um, and the, the music is great. We had... Um, Experts in fiddling come in and work with us, and it just—it's just a whole new skill set. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> an elevated sure. skill set of that. Just amazing when you can see what they can do with a yeah. fiddle. Yeah. Although that's going to be really neat. So, so people should keep an eye on on the documentary in some sometime in the next few months. Yeah. Especially if you you missed the fiddler concert. Yes. Uh, last year, as I did, sadly, it did. Be, keep an eye out for this. Yeah, we um, we were only able to squeeze in about 150 people to that concert um, because of the size of the rotunda and the size of the chairs at the rotunda. They're a little oversized. <laughs> um, so at, at any rate, it'll be an opportunity for folks to um, to hear that. Absolutely, that's gonna be fantastic. Yeah, be and great. I do. I just want to shout out about Cupid and Death. I almost forgot to do this. Um, because Charlottesville Ballet is here, um, we had a dancer from Charlottesville Ballet in our production. We had uh, two dancers, and they were brilliant, and I'm, uh, it was just really great to be able to collaborate in that way. And um, I, I, I'm just so thankful that we have dance in this community. Yes. I, I am a, a former dancer. I danced here in Charlottesville as a kid um, in the Mickey List Dance Company, and um, uh. it's, just, it's really cool to, to see that that dance is still really a vibrant part of the community. Well, yeah, it is a beautiful it thing. It's, yeah. it's something we have here yeah. that not every city of our size can say that they have exactly. this quality and uh, like Charlottesville Ballet has of, of dance here yeah. that you can that you can experience. Yeah, but I think that's a great helpful segue for us because I mean <laughs> that's what I'm here for to help. Exactly. You <laughs> we said how can we segue to Charlottesville Ballet? Let's just have David come on. <laughs> But David, where can people? Really important because I know the uh, the a mass is coming up on uh, Sunday, March tenth. Um, are there still tickets available, or do people need to look for uh, at the door tickets? Um, we but we have online and um, at the door. Earlymusicseville.org is the website for that. Um, all of our social media is Early Music Seville, so we're easy to find. Um, tickets are definitely still available, and we would love to have people come out. Um, I just want to, you know, reiterate: this is like 
This is a, a concert of sacred music, but it's not a church service, mm-hmm. so you don't have to feel like you have to believe every word that's being said. Um, please just come and enjoy the beautiful music, regardless of your tradition. Um, I, it's it's going to be a really phenomenal concert. Yeah, yeah, when you listen to a traditional Latin mass, you do not have to go up and get communion. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> they don't actually do that part. It's yeah. just the music. There's no sermon. <laughs> yes, there's no sermon. All right, there you are. <laughs> Oh, well, David, thank you so much again for coming on. Always thank love having you, absolutely. having you and learning about it. It's always fun to be here. Yeah, Alrighty. thank you guys. Thank you, thank you, and be sure to check out a mass on Sunday, March tenth at seven thirty at Christ Episcopal Church, EarlyMusicSeville dot org. That's so great. Much, David. I mean, just that, and, you know the, the thought of that organ in that church. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just, awesome. I love. I mean, I, there's been a couple of times where I've had the opportunity of listening to an organ in a particular church. And it's just the older the organ, the more you realize these how powerful these instruments exactly. when you're there. They just you just sit there and go wow, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And so we'll go ahead and tra- uh, transition here. Didn't we'll you? Bring in, by the uh, way, didn't you also? Yeah. When you were in Germany, did you not? I did. I experienced. Right? I experienced yeah. uh, an organ in Germany. I exactly. Was not, I, I was lucky enough. I was fortunate. So my my beautiful wife's. Uh, Uncle, Uncle yeah. is an organist. He is the music director and organist. I mean, he plays like five instruments, but like the organist for her local church in Bavaria. Yeah, I remember and, you told uh, me that. We were lucky enough that when we attended mass there um, the morning before we had to leave, um, and he let us sit in the choir loft. Oh, okay. Where the choir, and I mean, just the power yeah. that you feel when you hear the organ right next to you. I know. There, it's just it's an amazing. Amazing experience, and he was—he was really nice about it. He—he he had found out from us what um, song, what hymn they had played when Elizabeth walked down the aisle in our actual oh, wedding. Oh, okay. And he played that song as the—not <laughs> uh, uh, the entrance, but the exit hymn. Okay. As the when the, as soon as the service ended, he played that song. Oh, he knew he? it. He knew how to play it on the organ. That's a ringtone on your phone, isn't it? But it is. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's what she calls. Okay, that's how I always know. Just for your wife. <laughs> exactly. Just for my wife. Exactly. It's my wife's Nobody ringtone. Else. No, no, that, that's, on, that's, on what, that's how I know she's calling. Okay, exactly. A couple of shout outs here. Uh, Linda McCormick, thanks for watching this morning. David Wood, Catherine Miranda, Enrique Reynosa, Bill McChesney, Terry Tidner, Michael Main, Bill Stewart. Thank you all so much for, for tuning in this morning. And I believe um, Provi Sedara. Provi Garcia Sedarra from Spain watching this morning. Wow. So we have muchísimas gracias. So we've got all the way from Spain viewing us this morning. Love when we have our international audience. It's Absolutely, always a, no uh, doubt about it. Yeah. Always an exciting, uh, an exciting moment. And another exciting thing is to take up David's fantastic set. We are really happy <laughs> to bring onto the show this morning Emily Harker. She is co-founder and one of the directors at Charlottesville Ballet. Emily, thanks so much for coming on this morning. Thanks for having me. Con mucho gusto. Careful, there's getting David. Uh, Xavier will do the whole. Uh, no, 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 no. Me, um, uh, let's see. Me au pair. Susana is de Colombia. Ah. Ella es mi maestra, pero uh, soy una estudiante malísima. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> we'll well, that, but, okay. I've been so excited to have you on because um, you know I've been a, you know I was lucky enough to serve with Sarah, one of the other yes. co-founders uh, for CIC Community Investment Collaborative. I've always wanted to have you guys on, you know, because I I'm a big fan of the Nutcracker, and you put that on. 
every year did a beautiful job this past yeah, uh, December. But I said, you know what? Let's let's find a time when we have some a lot of things coming up. And I know you have definitely some things coming up to perform, which is coming up with Charlottesville Ballet. But maybe for those who are kind of new to the program, maybe haven't been to the Nutcracker yet, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and how you and Sarah founded the Charlottesville Ballet. Sure. Well, Sarah and I, this is now our 16th season. Wow. Um, we are co-founders and directors. We founded, I was like 20 when we founded this company. And our whole mission is health and wellness. Um, it is national, it's Eating Disorders Awareness Week. So... That is happening 26th through March, March 3rd. Okay. Um, so I struggled with 10 years of that, and we, you know, multiple ankle surgeries and injuries mm-hmm. are so common mm-hmm. because this field, yes, it's the arts, but they're also athletes. Yeah. And yes. so we wanted, this has been a grand journey to see, could we make a healthy ballet company? <laughs> and now 16 years into this grand experiment, we um, have, gosh, a $1.6 million organization we have a professional company of dancers from all across the world. That's why Sarah couldn't be here today. She's auditioning <laughs> <laughs> candidates for next season. Um, and then, in addition, we have extensive community work. So we have a school now with 700 students, wow. Wow. ages one and a half to 92. Um, and then in the public schools, we're back now with Chance to Dance. We have a movement for Parkinson's class. We do a Silver Swans with the Center at Belvedere. Oh, that's so, and we're now back touring with you know libraries and community mm-hmm. centers and all of our CB Moves is the free engagement programs that we do mm-hmm. across the state of Virginia. So it's a big, you know, tendrils of programs. Yes. And, and Well, I think that's one of the things I, I loved best about it is that it's it's ballet, right? And so you have the you have the professional ballet, you like have the, the Nutcracker. The, yeah, Yay. exactly. <laughs> but you you do a lot to say, all right, how can we bring in the community and introduce them to dance and ballet right. without all the pressure that comes with, if you think about like the fa- the big famous ballet companies that no ordinary person could ever. Access well, that. right. That's that's the whole mission. Like the ballerina does not have to be a skinny white woman. Like that is not that is their history, and that's again that is the beautiful heritage that we have. But mm-hmm. we wanted to say, how can we challenge that and bring it to modern day, so that yes. you know the normal people, the civilians, are like, oh, I love the ballet, <laughs> and that we see different you know body shades and sizes and shapes, and that's really what we're all about is community building through ballet. <laughs> the other thing I like about it, so so you know, I was very fortunate because my parents worked in the in, in that field when they were in New York, so I got to go to operas and, and ballets, right? And the, the nice thing about I like operas, but I like ballets even better, only because when you're especially when you're young, right? You you know the opera can sometimes be a little overwhelming. There's just a lot of singing, a lot going on, and they don't speak your language, so you got to be reading libretto, and it's like it felt like homework more than, than enjoyment sometimes, right? However, when you go to ballet, you're actually watching people dance, right? But the thing that, that I thought always was intriguing to me or, or what I liked about it was I enjoyed the music, right? So in, in the background, you listen to this beautiful music, but you're watching people dance, right? Mm-hmm. So I always said that ballet is a great introduction, in my opinion, right, to classical music, to let people say, hey, let's, let's go watch this performance. It's people dancing, and, I mean, they're beautiful. I mean, this ballet is wonderful dancers, right? And what they do is like most people just can't do, right? And so, so you watch this tr- tremendous athletes dance, right? But you're also listening to this classical mm-hmm. music and it just gets you into... Yeah, like, you to it. You know, like Alex, I mean, his, what is your favorite ballet of all? Let's be honest. Swan Lake. Oh, I, I can listen to that. I have an <laughs> annual ritual at least twice a year. I don't even need to be watching. When you were young, it's like, it seemed like every week there was some piece of Swan Lake on... 
being played. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think I agree completely. It's, it's that beautiful combination of the visual with the musical yeah. together. And accessible, as it's true, you don't need to know a foreign language. Right, right. It's universal. To, exactly. to comprehend exactly. it. Yeah. Absolutely. So you, you mentioned it, some of the groups that Charlotte Life serves in the community. What are, what are different ways that people get involved and connected? I think our education programs are the biggest mm-hmm. thing. So we now, um, we've been up Route 29 North Studios um, there, and we expanded to, we're right, I walked here, Route Ix <laughs> Art Park, we have yes. um, a studio there. So that's been a, a big opportunity for expansion. We have over 150 classes a week. Wow. So that's been a huge entry point. Like, yay, come see the Nutcracker, and then sign up for the adult ballet class. Or, <laughs> hey, my dad just got diagnosed with Parkinson's. Like, I'm going to come to that Friday afternoon free class. So yes. we have a lot of people that come see a performance, and then they're like, oh, Wait, let's let's engage with these other mm-hmm. educational offerings, um, and then we're doing a lot of work again in the community. So we're going to the public schools, we're at the mm-hmm. libraries, we're doing a collaboration with Tom Tom, and then this upcoming outdoor series that we'll yes, sure we'll chat about is a wonderful thing. So Sarah, this is the second annual year. Um, we not second annual, second time we did it in 2022. During the COVID era, right, we were all coming out of COVID, and we said, we're making dance happen. Outdoor. We're going to do the outdoor series, and this was Emily's crazy brain. said, <laughs> let's bring, like, all these arts partners, the symphony, the opera, the oratorio society, and let's bring them outside, because nobody wants to have fear. Like, i got to take my kid to daycare. I can't risk getting sick, but we are going to make the arts happen. <laughs> so it was super family-friendly, like... Have there's wine, bring the dog. It was perfect. So Charlottesville. And we basically constructed an outdoor venue hosted at Mary Mill Farm and Vineyards. Mm-hmm. The Pelly family, um, their students, and they are hosting the second 2024 outdoor series. That'll be April 26th through 28th. So tell us what, what oh. can people expect. I mean, it's a talk about collaboration. I mean, it is, it is yourselves. I know it's Charlottesville Symphony, Charlottesville Opera. Wow. From Porch, UVA Chamber Seniors, Oratorio Society in Virginia. So is, this, is this like continues for three days? You just keep going? Or? It's, <laughs> yep, it's a bunch of shows. It basically starts Friday night at 7 o'clock with the ballet and songs. So that'll okay. be the front porch and the oratorio, UVA Chamber Singers. Um, so again, this is our vision of collaborative performances, kind of like mm-hmm. David was saying, of let's get the dancers, let's get the singers, let's get you know all these different people together and creating some commissioned works, some new works that tell mm-hmm. the stories of our time, not just the beautiful, you know, mm-hmm. the swan is lovely, but <laughs> what are some of these um, unique programs that we can commission, you know, composing right. and singing and dancing all together. So it'll start Friday night at 7 o'clock. There's a show um, Saturday morning, we're actually partnering with UVA's Accessible Theater Project. We'll have a free sensory-friendly show of our Snow White, which is really important to us to make sure that we're doing Mm -hmm. that kind of work. And then 3 o'clock will be a ballet plus symphony. So that's all the other collaborators, including we missed Heifetz over the mountain. Um, Heifetz Institute will be collaborating with the Youth Orchestras of Central Virginia. And there's everything from, like, a bassoon ensemble to tap dancing to you name it. There's wow. So, so it's kind of like a series of shorter Yep, about an hour-long concert, an and hour it's programmed. We're working on some of those collaborations, nailing them down now to say, wow. hey, opera folks, what do you guys actually, now that you have your singers booked mm-hmm. and flying them in from New York or wherever they're <laughs> flying in from, and what, what can our audiences expect to see mm-hmm. from each person? Mm-hmm. Each group will have their own version of the, you know, 10 minutes of their own material, okay. mm-hmm. and then these um, curated collaborations with different groups from all directions. So that's pretty neat. That's really yeah, cool. that's a good idea. It's been really fun, and I think... Like one of the pieces is called Sorrowful Songs. It's a um, Heinrich Gorecki 
score that our um, pianist, her name is Catherine Nee, she's worked with us for 10 years. Yes, we've had her on the show yes. actually before. So Catherine has created, this has been five years in the making, it uh, premiered back in February and it'll be hosted outside, but it'll be her creating a five minute basically score condensed from a full symphony with um, Christina Fleming as the soprano. So she's taken the Polish text from uh, what was written on a Gestapo prison cell. So it's this beautiful blending and basically condensing down um, into the Sorrowful Songs project that one of our dancers, Catherine Tokar Conley, has made um, a beautiful work. So it's a soprano, a pianist, and a dancer that are wow. telling this story. Wow. Um, and it's just, it's one of those, it makes me tear up just That's thinking about beautiful. it. So wow. these are the types of collaborations and things mm -hmm. we always love to do, and then having commissions and, and arts partners that help present those to our audiences. That's amazing. Wow, that really is. Yeah, I just I love That's the idea amazing. that you can experience, and it's a good way I think to do the introductory way for people maybe who haven't gone to a full-fledged performance to get a taste of everything. Well, like, everything. This is a little bit of what opera might be like. Exactly. This My husband's like, I'm not an opera guy. I'm like, but come, and if you get these little bite-sized things, mm -hmm. and then now he's like. Yeah, you know what? I do like opera. <laughs> so I look at that of like, okay, I don't know much about the Oratorio Society, but then you see them. You see their 55 singers yes. with this beautiful outdoor thing, you know, with, with wine and the dogs and the kids. And it's like, okay, I've been to this and now I can go see more. I can yeah. seek out more in my community. Yeah. Absolutely. Because it's just, it's a good way to get a sense for, like you said, bring the kids so that they can experience sure, exactly. it. Especially if they, if they have it before, yes. it's a way for them to experience it for the first time. Yes. Yeah. You're not worried of like, you know, we gotta quickly exit the Paramount because my three-year-old might have a meltdown. Like, yeah. you're outside. Just go to the tasting room, and you can you can still hear the beautiful exactly. symphony playing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can hear Absolutely. those musicians. Yeah. And, and you get, like you said, you get a taste of everything. They'll see some dancing, some singing, and some you know piano, and some. I mean, that's just great. Yeah, that was a great really idea. Excited. And then I know what one of the things happening. On Sunday is going to be then a Snow White at the Vineyard? Yes, we'll be doing an abridged version. So we'll have mm -hmm. the full production of Snow White. We'll be at the Paramount on May 4th. Okay. So we'll do, okay. um, we're calling it at the Vineyard to give folks a, a clue. It'll be about an hour-long abridged version. Um, typically, we'll have over 100 kids performing in the full production. But we can't fit them on the outdoor stage <laughs> or house them at the beautiful Vineyard. So we'll have a, um, it'll be an abridged version, not as many 100 children. <laughs> partnering along with us, um, but it'll be a bridge version, and it will include at the um, at the beginning or the end. We'll have a little you know lecture demonstration where everyone will get to stand up. You'll learn something like this is first position, this is plie, this is releve. Oh, okay. So again, everything we do, we really do have the education bent mm -hmm. to say like, hey, get up, grandpa, get up and learn how to do first <laughs> position, and getting the ideas of here's what it takes to create these productions yes. and having people have that physical mm -hmm. kinetic experience. Mm -hmm. So that'll be all inclusive, about an hour. Um, that's the Snow White at the Vineyard. That's and wine is included for parents. In oh, oh, there you go. Oh, there you are. That'll, that'll make you dance. Yes. Right, and nothing else. That's wine right. and some, some little uh, lective to learn, right. you learn some dance. Yep. What I mean about my, my nonprofit experience with Charlottesville is to read usually wine included Gets people out. Yes. Of I have to say, I have to say, it is a useful tool. Yes, and they'll be awesome. Uh, Mary Mill now has feasts. They purchase feasts, oh, and so they yes. have amazing oh, oh, yeah. food. You can order right, anything, right. bottle service. So Mary Mill, if you have not been, is just a lovely venue. It's so it is, whimsical, it yeah. and it'll be the perfect venue to host these eight arts parties. Yeah, beautiful Absolutely. place to Absolutely. put it all together. And, and just a question: So on May fourth at the Paramount is the full version of, and there's a hundred. Kids? There are 100 the children in cities from Culpeper to Lynchburg to here. Wow. 
um, that are part so of the the full cast. Full cast, okay. Yes, and in addition to our dancers of you know, there's 22 dancers from across the US yeah. and around the world in the in the company in the training program. So that'll be interesting. It is yeah. a, a large operation, and we have amazing Absolutely. staff and supporters. I can imagine. Yeah, so do you? I'm, I'm guessing it's not a hundred professional kids. So do you do you sort of like oh bring gosh, in from rocks. the children that like learn from you and the lessons sort of. We have auditions. To help them to audition to be part of it? Two cities. They happened in January. We had we had to shut down the audition. Wow. <laughs> Same with Nutcracker. They happen usually in like August or September, and mm-hmm. we have like hundreds of kids audition for limited parts, and we try every year to, to accommodate and get as many kids, because, right, that's, that's how they get hooked, and that's how we all sure. learn to appreciate sure. the arts. So I think it's 97 students in this production of the Nutcracker. Not all of them are in every show because, Mm -hmm. again, the Paramount's only so big. Sure, exactly. um, There's a a cast of 97 that will be performing alongside the professional company in various casts and various shows. So it'll be amazing. And it's the beautiful production. Our ballet master, his name is Vadim Berchu. He's from the Republic of Moldova. He created this production for us back in 2013. Mm -hmm. And so this will be the third... um, the third year that we've produced it and making changes every time, little tweaks, and this year we have to tweak to make more parts for kids. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Who wrote? Who's the... The composer is a Hungarian, I'm going to botch his name, but it's a um, Polish or Hungarian composer. It starts with a B, and I will have to follow up with you. But okay, you know, I'm just the music, It's not Tchaikovsky. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I was saying. No, I was like, yeah. I know Tchaikovsky did no, two fairy old. tales, but I don't think he did... No, he didn't do Snow White. Um, Snow White. Yeah. Postpartum um, brain, I can't figure... I can't yeah, remember, no, I can see it. But it is um, not commonly performed in the U.S. So, you know, it's not like your Swan Lake, mm-hmm. your Nutcracker. Yeah. But we love... It's such a beautiful production because it's... Yes, there's a romantic love story, but there's so many animals, and the dwarves are hysterical. <laughs> like, you know, everybody knows the story of Snow White. Absolutely. And it's a really nice connection to say, like, oh, I've seen the Disney. It, it's not too far off from the Disney story. Some of the ballets are quite different. You know, the oh, kids come, and they're like, where are the three fairies at Sleeping yes. Beauty? And you have to explain to the children, like, actually, <laughs> this was written way, way before Disney. Yes. So um, it, it is very similar. It follows kind of that same trajectory and similar characters, you know. You'll, hit, you'll see all the highlighted characters that you... Love that you would expect, expect. yeah. Um, but it's make it easier for people to follow too. There's no, you know, you don't have to figure out what's easy. happening. Yes, yes, but it's still, you know, there's no words, and we have kids who are like, "Why didn't they talk, Mama?" And you're like, <laughs> but it's this beautiful thing where they can follow the story. Even the two-year-olds are like, yeah. "I want to meet Dopey." <laughs> like, okay, yeah. So there, there's a lot of, you know, the storytelling is there. We all know and love the story, but then how it's shown on stage yeah. is just a beautiful production. Oh, that's gonna be that's gonna be fantastic. And at the Paramount, yes, we'll be at the Paramount May fourth, and then we are actually the resident dance company down in Lynchburg at the Academy Center of the oh. Arts. So we'll take it on tour for May eleventh, which will close our season for twenty three, twenty four, twenty three, twenty four, sixteenth anniversary season. So close to the season. When does the season begin, though? Because we will it feels begin. Like, yes. <laughs> well, good question. Get, what do you get? A week long? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it never really ends, right? With nonprofit life. But we will. Um, we typically open. The dancers will come back in August for okay. preseason training. So mm-hmm. our medical director, again, health and wellness. We try to bring in our, our artists. Have a whole mm-hmm. preseason conditioning because they're athletes, and yeah. then we'll usually start around October, November. We're okay. still planning that right now for next season, but. That's wonderful. Yeah. I like the health and wellness world. I mean, sometimes you, you, you hear when you read the history of ballet just how badly bodies were damaged yeah, by the time absolutely. they were done with their careers. So it's yes. nice that you're yeah. like the goal is to 
have them still doing ballet at 92, not that you're, you're burned out at 30 and it's Several hip surgeries later, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that is why Charlotte's Ballet exists today. Mm-hmm. So Sarah and I really wanted to see, and it's been, you know, we're a nonprofit. There's not always the services. We have great and kind donors and, you know, trying to get them as much cross season and training, but it is changing hearts and minds, you know, ballet, especially our older generations that mm-hmm. you came up, you do ballet a certain way. And, you know, when you rotate your feet out, it has to be 180 degrees. So a perfect line and all of the science that we know now with, you know, PTs and doctors say only 1% of the population actually has hip sockets that do that. 1%. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So we are in our school of 700 kids. You can do the math. How many actually had the capacity to do to ballet do as it was stated? That's right. Yeah. So that's really our whole, our whole vision. And it starts with, you know, the little kids in the parent in me class that I'm a ballerina now <laughs> all the way up to the 92 year olds and the professional company is how do we, yes, this is your body. What can your body do right. to execute this beautiful art form? How can we respect mm-hmm. the art form, but also, not cause you to have a hip replacement at 40. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but it's changing hearts and minds. I mean, we still have dancers that are, you know, dancing right now in the studio that say, this is how I trained, this is how I grew up, and, and changing that narrative of what does yeah. ballet look like and what, what can we do. This is how Charlottesville does ballet. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. So remind us again, so the, the outdoor series... Tickets, I'm guessing, are still available. They are on sale. The, the free performance is almost maxed out. Okay. <laughs> so, and we've still got our partners with Via and the other folks to work mm-hmm. with. So um, tickets are on sale. Charlottesville.org slash tickets is probably oh, your best okay. landing Very site. easy. And it's April 26th through 28th. Um, there is a rain plan because everyone's asking me. Oh, um, yes. okay. Tickets, if we do rain out, we will have all tickets to the entire weekend. We'll have a open um, performance on Friday night, May 3rd, at the Paramount. Okay. So if you get buy your ticket to the Ballet Plus song and you, it rains out on Friday night, you can come the following Friday to the Paramount indoors. Oh, okay, perfect, perfect. That's great. Oh, yeah. 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 So, yeah, your ticket doesn't yeah. go to waste. It, no, yeah. If no. it rains out, you And can if you can't use it, give it later. to your neighbor and they can come yeah, see yeah, it at the exactly, Paramount. So exactly. you'll get to see the Snow White production at the Paramount regardless of rain. So yeah. lots oh. of people are like, well, I'm not buying tickets, so we look at the weather i'm like buy your ticket and then because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of us like you plan it's so last minute now these days right yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah exactly so yeah so friday yeah, you know friday april 26th at seven looks like saturday april 27th you got 11 a.m for the sensory friendly the sensory friendly yeah. and then at 3 p.m and then you got 2 1 p.m and 4 p.m on the 28th so i mean you have Three days, but there's a bunch of performances. Yeah. Yeah. You can that's... game the nap time. You can game the sports <laughs> events. You can game all the, all the things you need to. Nap and, time, yeah. and we're so excited to present that with our partners. So not just come see the ballet, but come see all of our, all of our yes. arts partners at the Outdoor Series. That's going to be wonderful. That's, that's going to be wonderful. Yeah. So, and then people can find out more. What, what's the best place that people also like, are interested in finding out more about classes and things you do? All just our general charlottesvalley.org is the, the homepage. You can see all about Charlotte's Valley Academy for education programs, CB Move all of the community work that we do in the free free community engagement programs. Charlottesvilleballet.org. Okay. Charlottesvilleballet.org. And spell it all out. It's not yeah. Charlottesvilleballet.org. Yes. And all of our okay. handle, we're Charlottesvilleballet, we're Seville all the socials as well. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, Emily, it's been such a oh, pleasure. Yeah, been I mean, ter- I've been looking terrific. forward to having you, you on. Wow. I'm so glad we did. It's exciting, yeah. Yes. Thanks for having us. And thanks for all you do in the community. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. we appreciate Give it. Give our best to Sarah. We too. will do. <laughs> Alrighty, so as we go ahead and uh, wow, a lot of stuff going on. I know. See, so I mean, it's just like do. this is what happens. Like spring comes, right? And all of a sudden, boom! All these yes. things are available. Well, I thought you were talking about the energy, the excitement. Yeah, noise. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, extra and shout I thought, out to, I thought that collaboration was fantastic, the idea. Oh, right? yes. I mean, so you go there, you get to see some singing and some dancing and some you know, piano playing and whatever else they're going to do. I mean, that's, that's a great way to really expose anybody to different exactly. parts of the arts. You know? Well, this, I mean, think about it. it you, you like bringing your family outdoor to a beautiful place like Maryville, and now you can do so in a way that introduces them to... Sometimes, you know, if you, you, know, when you don't know where your kids might gravitate to. You know, right. you might have someone who likes ballet, but not opera. You might have someone who likes... The kid who's bored by opera, but for some reason, you know, like our cousin in New York is fascinated by op- opera. Like he loves like his it. opera. Yeah. So... There's all those different variations, so you can they can try to see where they may yeah. fit in the arts and experience what is a fantastic yeah. tradition of music that has been passed down from so many generations. Very well said. Love it. I love it. A uh, couple more shout-outs. Francis Perry, thanks for uh, watching the show this morning. Dr. Elizabeth Irby, thanks for watching the show this morning. She enjoyed, she liked the uh, talk about the time in Germany, so that was, uh, <laughs> that was a beautiful time. I enjoyed it as well. <laughs> No, I can imagine. Like I said, I just remember you did that, and 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 just a few times that I think one was in Spain. And I forget what the other one was, where I just heard an organ play. And oh, it's like just, wow! And I, and I was at a place, like I said, it was just I didn't even know there was an organ. All of a sudden, the organ starts playing. It was it's like just so beautiful. Oh man! It's, yeah, it's, uh, nothing quite like it. Nothing quite like it. And there's many opportunities now to experience it here. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, from March all the way through May. That's you, right. You now know what you can uh, what you can enjoy, and I'm sure there will be there will be more. I know we're going to have soon uh, in the next few weeks. I think in the show we'll have uh, Oratorio Society of Virginia will be coming on to talk about their and then new concert. Opera. Charles yeah. Opera is going to be coming on to talk about their new season. Yeah. So it's a lot going on. Yeah, I mean, it's this fine. is you know I always said that for a small city, right, which Charlottesville is compared to most other cities, the the ability to really capture. So many things that people may like, whether it be, mm-hmm. again, you know, you, you got UVA sports. So if you like baseball, basketball, football, you got that, right? So, you know, you can have that. The, the music, the ability to listen to different, you know, to see ballets, operas, symphonies, you know, which we are. It's just, you can, you live here, you feel like you live in a big city yep. without the traffic, without the hassles, and, and you can enjoy life so much, so much more. Exactly. more. No, we're, not we're, that I want everybody to move to Charlottesville because I like the fact that there's not a lot of people to, so <laughs> I'm not trying to get everybody here. This is not a sales pitch to no, move it no. to Charlottesville. I'm just saying it's a great place, but don't come. No, don't come to live. Here, dude, this just is kidding. fantastic just to stay away. Yeah. Don't come. <laughs> hey, I don't want four million people in Charlottesville. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we're, we're blessed to be here. So yeah. that's why we love doing today, Manana. We get to experience Absolutely. all this. Absolutely. Uh, next week, we're going to have on Adrienne Strong from the Danes Group, who's going to be joining us. Okay. So looking forward to that. Some more, uh, another fantastic small business, uh, I believe, here in Charlottesville. So we're, we're looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll be seeing everyone then. I don't know. I can't. I, it no, might I'm not, not be a day. I think I'm not here be, next week. That's it right. will probably yes. be Michael and myself. So uh, be uh, sure Michael's to look with me. To that. Michael's oh, Michael's with, with you. Yes. So it's yeah. going to be oh the one and only Nick. Yes, the one and only. The one and only Nick Irby is going to be joining us uh, next week on the show. So be, uh, be sure to look out for that. You're going to get all his fans saying, "Great, I can sh- come up yes. to the show next week." I there you are. Week. Now I can watch it. <laughs> Not that yeah. guy, Xavier. <laughs> Uh, but we appreciate, of course, just the opportunity to be here on the Olive Seville Network set. Appreciate Judah behind the camera doing all the great work, making Always. Xavier and I look good. Our guests always look good, but Xavier and I need a little work. <laughs> um, and then, uh, of course, many thanks to Emerging Financial Services, to Matias Young Realty, Credit Series Insurance, Forward Adelante. We appreciate all of you. We look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, do your best to 
stay warm. Enjoy the, the yes. warmth of spring that is on its way. We look forward to seeing you then. But as, as we like to close it out on the show, hasta mañana. Ciao, boys.